This is the Tao of Business Law, powered by Blissness School, an exploration into the soul of business. Welcome to Blissness School's Tao of Business Law podcast, where we dive into the written and unwritten rules of business. In each episode, we'll speak to a different entrepreneur and learn how they stepped into their own unique purpose, overcame challenges, and ultimately created a life that they love. Through casual discussions, we explore the inherent humanity that weaves through all of us. After all, business is merely a reflection of the individuals in charge. So take charge of your situation. Listen to others who have already gone through the rougher parts so you don't have to. All right. So this is um, Blissness School podcast, and the idea is to um, take a look at business, really. <laughs> and um, and I'm so excited that I ran into you in Maui at the Ram Dass retreat <laughs> because you're such an amazing example of. Um, of a woman who has kind of like blazed through business in a very typically male-dominated business um, and has really like stood her own and been very successful and also stayed in integrity. So um, thank you. Thank you. It's it's nice. Yeah. So Karen, tell me, like, first of all, can you just tell me yeah, I'll describe how you, yeah, who I am. That situation. Exactly. So my name's Karen Rudolph, and my uh, brother Alan Rudolph and I owned a construction company that we had bought from my father and his partners uh, named Rudolph and Sletten Inc., uh, which was, we were the largest privately owned commercial construction company in the state of California. Uh, or yeah, I think in the state of California, maybe Northern California. And some of our more famous projects, our most famous project was the Monterey Bay Aquarium. We built all three phases of that. And we built Stanford Children's Hospital, a lot of Kaiser hospitals. Uh, We did a lot of high tech work like the Microsoft campus in Silicon Valley. What became the Facebook campus? was originally for a different company and Apple campus. Wow. So, and so, just to kind of give some sense, I know you mentioned before you had like a thousand employees. Yeah, we had a thousand employees and four offices around the state of California. We mostly were in state and we were privately owned. That's uh, amazing. So we had 50 uh, stockholders um, who were uh, uh, management people in the company us and then manage upper management so one of the um one of the ways to describe um what i'm working on here with business uh-huh. school um i kind of i hope it's a clever you know <laughs> term it's not meant to be a distortion at all but we kind of pull on various themes of spirituality and so yeah. i call it the Tao of business law and it's just a very simplified way to contemplate this massive you know idea of business law and so yeah you, you actually started exactly where it is and it's just kind of five elements right and of course you're an attorney yes so yeah how the, kind of the law flows in this way you have elements and then facts to match to those elements yeah kind of sift through and figure out what the right thing to do is so um 
it's we basically distilled it down to someone doing something for someone else in exchange for something. Yeah. And that's business law. And so yeah. when you say, um, like, who are you? We mean, who are you as a person? And then who are you as an entity? And when you say you're privately owned, there's a difference between private ownership and public ownership. Yeah. Public sales sold on, sold on the stock exchange. Yeah. Um, so um, you were incorporated as yes. a C corporation. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Okay. C corporation. Later on, we changed to an S-Corp, I guess. Wow. Yeah, w w which was part of one of the things I did. But yeah, the real, you know, for us, I it, I would have trouble imagining being a pub owning a publicly traded company because of the fact that you're um, dealing with short-term profits, you know, like this quarter, what is it? Where when you're privately owned, especially if the other owners, my brother and I owned you know, 51%, but the other owners also work there. Um, and the advantage to that is you can be in it for the long haul. So you don't have to show, okay, I'm making money in the next six months. You can say, we're going to do this. We're going to spend money on training. We're going to spend money on safety, uh, which is a huge thing in construction, uh, on benefits. Um, and maybe it will eventually pay off, you know, five years from now, even 10 years from now. And you can do that when you're privately owned. And so I love that. So I've dealt with that with some of my clients. And that's, that's um, from an ownership standpoint, right, as you grow, obviously nobody starts out with a thousand employees. Right? Yeah. You start at the beginning. Yeah. And you build up. But the way to start in business is to delineate, I'm a big advocate, delineate your personal from the business, right? So your personal holdings, your personal investments, your house, your savings, mm -hmm. your retirement, whatever you have from the business. Mm -hmm. And then as you grow and as people help you grow, because when you're in business, you're making something that's bigger than yourself. Yes. Yeah. One of the beautiful yeah. parts about business. And so when you have employees, certainly you can pay them. But another way to show your appreciation or to have an exchange, that exchange of value yeah. is by offering incentives. And so that's, you know, stock ownership yeah. is what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, or so, other kinds of profit sharing, yeah. you, you know, um, yeah. Uh, good benefits. You know, we were, uh, uh, our tradespeople were all union which was so wonderful. I love the unions. And I know that's a most, you know, people think, oh, the here? management, <laughs> yeah. you know, hates unions. I adored them because in the construction trades, the unions do education and training programs. They do apprenticeship. And every paycheck, you know, if I have a journeyman carpenter, a few pennies of every hour that I pay him go into the apprenticeship fund that the union controls, some from me, some from the employee. And then those apprenticeship programs train the next generation. And it's something that, you know, I as a private business, I could never do that because why would I spend, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars training people in a trade when the people may go work for some other company? 
you know, there's no guarantee. But with the apprenticeship programs, the whole industry of, of union uh, contractors, we all pay into that fund. The next generation of trained, uh, trades, skilled tradespeople come out of there, you know, and it, and becoming a journeyman usually takes at least, uh, three years. And, and there's actually formal schooling involved that schools that the, um, that the unions run, you know, act classrooms and all that. Um, and so, you know, working like that, um, you end up with the next generation, which keeps keeps me in business as a business person. And it keeps the standards high. Very high, and it and it attracts the best people, you know, because because the unions have the best benefits, the best wages, they have sick leave, all of that. That I, as a private, you know, individual company, I might not be able to, in construction. You know, I will build a big building. It may be built for a year, and then I don't. I might not need those carpenters until the next building. So it means that those tradespeople stay in the business. You know, they may be off work for three months, but their wages are high enough and their benefits are high enough and their, their sick, sick um, pay, you know, their insurance goes with them even when they're not working, mm -hmm. you know, so it's a, it's a fabulous system. So what you're talking about is you're taking a holistic view yeah. of business as opposed to a more myopic or insular view uh, yeah. of what do I get? Right. In the, short term, in the short term, you know, it's a long, long term thing. And a lot of people in construction, they came up through the trades themselves. So they really understand that. Uh, you know, I was married to a tradesman, you know, who was a, a laborer's union. And then later on, he was a journeyman uh, operating engineer, which means he ran cranes and, you know, big, heavy construction equipment. And he got his training through the union. Wow. Yeah. So, so that gave me a way to relate to, even though I was a lawyer, um, it gave me a, a in to relating to the people that worked for me. But most of the most of the management as young people had worked, you know, in the business, you know, with a shovel or a hammer or whatever. Um, so so I'm going to kind of we're going to have almost multiple conversations, but per the Dow business law, someone doing something for someone else in exchange for something. So I'm just going to run through those quickly here. You are, you know someone personally a woman in the mm -hmm. construction field and actually like an owner and also later an attorney yeah um but but your corporate identity is that of a c corporation mm -hmm. and um a large the largest one of yeah the largest privately owned construction entities in the yeah. state of california um which by the way the state of california has kind of the highest standards in consumer protection so yeah this you're like at the top of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and there were, you know, we worked in Silicon Valley and other places in California where we were building, um, buildings, you know, that had to be, you know, had clean rooms, you know, for Intel that was manufacturing, you, you know, chips where, wow. you know, you can't have a, a piece of dust in the room, uh, as fat as a hair. You know, so when when somebody needs a room that's that clean, it has to be that clean f from the minute that it's built. You know, you can't build a regular building and then go back and clean it up. 
has to be that clean. So wow. it, it takes a, uh, yeah, very high standards. And also uh, California has very high earthquake standards. So buildings have to be built to specifications that are different than probably any place in the world in order to make them safe because of our earthquakes, wow. especially so hospitals. High liability, high public administrative consumer protection right yeah. standards um and a ton of competition yeah um so i'm just so honored to sit with you <laughs> i mean i'm just so inspired so someone doing something for someone else and so that someone else's are hospitals or private companies mm -hmm. large companies um companies who would be really mad if you didn't do what you said you were going to do yeah. um someone doing something for someone else in exchange for something and in exchange you're building, building these highly specific buildings in compliance with state, federal, other compliance standards yeah. in addition to private standards. And obviously the exchange there is money. Yeah. So that's the business. But then also you're employing your employees right you've got contractors and so um, it's it's really kind of um complicated and and quite um layered yes as far as all of the considerations you know to think mm -hmm. about and to stay within your integrity mm -hmm. can be kind of complicated because you have all these competing you know, interest, you've got shareholders, you've got employees, you've got your own family, you know, customers, mother, customers, right? Yeah. So, um, so you told me a story earlier today that just blew me away because this particular industry, again, highly male dominated, very masculine, um, in its thinking, there's some short term myopic mm -hmm. thinking as opposed to the holistic, mm -hmm. you know, view of, I'm doing this for me and my family and my bottom line, but also all of those thousands of employees and then the clientele, the patients yeah. of the hospital or right. you know, people who are working at Microsoft, if there's an earthquake or you took that seriously. And so can you start to tell me and recount the story that oh, we had It's one of my favorite stories, um, mainly because, you know, it felt so good. Um, and what it was, was we built a server farm for a company in um, Silicon Valley. And it was right before one of the bus cycles. Silicon Valley has been booming and busting for 40 years. So it was right before a bust. And so suddenly this very, very expensive building that had all sorts of high tech things in it, like had to have a certain kind of floor, uh, you know, certain things in the walls, suddenly it wasn't needed anymore. And the, the owner of the building that we were building for um, wasn't going to be able to make money. So, so in the construction industry, there, there's a longevity, right? There's a process, right? So there's the conception and then there's the bidding and the, and the, design. the design. Yeah. And, and so by the time you actually finish the building, it could be right. Years. years yeah especially with hospitals usually so you get paid all along but in on this job they got behind in the payments and when we finished the job they owed us millions of dollars and they said uh we can't we're selling our business to another company and we can't pay you we aren't going to pay you 
And in construction, we were general contractors, which meant that we had our own employees, but we also had subcontractors, like for plumbing, electrical, other different things. Yeah, other air conditioning, different things. Unionized. Yeah, yeah, and we, and usually those were also unionized businesses. So um, we owed, you know, you pay them all along, but at the end we owed them quite a bit of money. And the owner was telling us, well, that he was selling his business to this other big company and that that company wasn't, came to us and said, we'll, we will pay you 50 cents on the dollar. So they're going to, they're going to undercut you by half. Yeah. Cheat us is how we looked at it. <laughs> and that happens in business. So, um, we had so built the building. The time. You made yeah. a contract and, and I, I want to get to the end of the story, but you said something that's, that pops out in my mind, which is that they got behind in their payments and you could have potentially stopped building, but you're kind of caught, especially in construction in crosshairs because you're, it's all spec. You're projecting yeah. and then yeah. these people are working for you for a certain amount of time and then you have to tell them how long they're going to work. And so really once yeah. you sign that contract, the understanding is we're all engines, you know, full force ahead. Yeah with the expectation that you will be paid. Well, and and one thing about uh, construction law is there's a thing called mechanics liens, yeah. which means that if I build you a house and you don't pay me at the end of it, I can put a mechanics lien on it and potentially I can end up owning the house right. or it can be sold and I can get paid. Uh, the trouble with this very high-tech work is that... Um, it costs millions of dollars to build it, and it really can't be used for anything than than its intended purpose. Um, Not for the money. Right, right. It's like, what, what do you do? I mean, we were making jokes. Well, maybe we could turn it into a, um, you know, strong. wine cellar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what you do with this fancy floor and all the electronics? Yeah. Right. Put it in. So, uh, so we were really in a bad place because even if we did a mechanics lien, we wouldn't be able to get our money out. And the worst thing was that some of the subcontractors, um, you know, we knew them, we knew the, the people that own these firms, we'd done business with them for years. And we didn't think it was fair to pay, to pass it on to them and only give them 50% of the money that we owed them. You know, we wanted to keep our word to them and keep the contracts that we had signed with them to yes. do this work. Because your contract, that's your word. That's it's your, your word. It's your honor. And that is your honor. And yeah. it's, you know, that's really this idea that the contract, I always think of it for some reason like Shakespeare, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like you sit down and you look, you know, Shylock or whomever. Yeah, you know, right. And you, you sign the contract, but that's, that's part and parcel with looking another human being in the eye and yeah. saying, yes, I agree to do this. Yeah. And, and then that, that contract is really just like a, a metaphor for what you said. And yeah. so you really took that to heart. And so it's your, yeah, you, it's your saying, we trust each other. We're going to perform what we promised and we trust each other. And so to have this company where that we knew was owned by a billionaire um, come to us and say, we're only going to pay you 50 cents on the dollar. And it's not because you did a bad job, but it's because 
we think we can get away with it. And it wasn't even because they couldn't afford it. It was, we're going to pay you 50 cents on the dollar so that our profit will be larger. They, they were kind of thinking, well, this is just business. This it's just business. business is done. And yeah. you were saying, no, these are actual human beings yeah. that um, we employed because of what you told us. Yeah. And we, and, so yeah, and we, we knew, you know, because in construction, you know, we knew that some of these people, you know, they were small businesses that, um, yeah, that they didn't have the money. They couldn't afford to lose this money. That some of them, it would put them out of business. And some of them were, um, you know, 50, 60 year old men who their, their family's whole, you know, their retirement, their house, everything was in their business. And so to lose this huge amount of money, to lose half of their profits on a job, um, potentially could, could put them out of business, you know, could do, you know, have terrible repercussions down the line. So what we did was we said, despite the fact that, you know, there were about 30 contractors that were involved with this company on projects across the country, not just the one in Silicon Valley. And we had a meeting and this man, the billionaire flew in on his private jet with his CFO, and they sat in this meeting with us and told us to our faces that we're only going to pay you 50%. And people were terrified because, um, you know, most people could not afford to hire lawyers and be in a long drawn out lawsuit in order to get their money. Um, and this man was saying, and if you don't accept 50% on the dollar, his threat was, I'm going to put this project into bankruptcy and you won't get anything. Um, so they went around the table, this huge conference room, and they, and, and each of the contractors said that they would accept 50% on the dollar. And so, and so just for context, yeah. right? so you're going to be able to see, but you're, you're beautiful, blonde, blue eyes, you know, like, and at the time, and then was, I was a younger woman. Right? Yeah. Right. So you, how many other women were in the room with you? None. Okay. So you're the only I was, a, yeah. And it's all the men in their suits and their ties and yeah. Um, construction workers, um, contractors, contractors. Kind of yeah. Heavy. Owners of all these companies, you know, yeah. Construction. Yeah. So they went around the room and said this, and I said, to this man, I said, we built a building for you. That's a, you know, good building. We kept our word. We did the contract. We've turned it over to you. There's nothing, you know, no problems with it. You owe us this money. That's what our contract says. And we owe it to our subcontractors and we aren't going to cheat them. And so how well, many other men said that? No one. I was the only one that said it. And of course I'm shaking, but I was furious. I was very angry. I was angry. You know, it's always shocking when you see somebody that's out of integrity. You know, when you see somebody trying to take advantage of people or cheat them or lying, you know, it's right. The energy <laughs> changes quick. And so you have to, you have to speak up. And a lot of, um, a lot of people don't. And a lot of people mistakenly think this is how business is done. Yeah. Justify it. It this doesn't have to be how it's done. You know, it doesn't have to be. No, people believe all these things, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and what we did was we said that we also, um, we sued him. 
And the great thing on the spot, we had the legal papers, you know, in our pockets. And after this went on and he got up, he said he was mad at us that we wouldn't go along because he had figured out this was his chess game and he was moving us all as pawns, moving us around. And we were all going to just take it because we had no choice. And in his mind, I'm thought, sure he thought, well, this is a good deal. I mean, because this is ooh, not ooh. so atypical industry. It's it's a kind of a cutthroat industry, which is why, again, I'm yeah. so impressed that you yeah. held this position. This is tough stuff. Yeah. And this yeah. does kind of happen it's, a lot. Yeah, and it's scary because I thought, oh, gee, maybe I'll lose my house, you know. But it just infuriated me. And so what we did, because he had flown into California to have this meeting, thank God, uh, we served him with, we, you know, served him with the legal papers, which we could not have done if he had stayed in New Jersey. And he uh, was, you were the least of anybody in the room, I'm sure. That right, to do it. Yeah. So we, you know how you, <laughs> you take the legal papers <laughs> and you touch them to their chest, you know, to say, okay, you're yes, you're served. Oh, he was furious. Um, and the, this was the f fun thing. I mean, this is, you know, it's very fun to do business if you're being ethical. It's really yes. fun because, you know, it's a great story. It's a great, great yeah, thing, way to play. You feel good. You said yeah, you feel great. great. So you, you, it's your favorite story to tell and you feel great about it. And yeah. part of that, someone doing something for someone else in exchange for something and for something We'll get to the end of the story, which is a great end. I love it. But it's also, you just felt right. Right. You, you knew you were in integrity. You knew you were doing the right thing. It's terrifying. But that gives you, it gives you a, value. a certain kind of energy that trying to cheat somebody would not give you. So, yeah. And what happened was we then, you know, we went back to our office over the next few weeks. We called every subcontractor, the owner of each of those companies into our office. And we had written up checks from our company to them. Some of them for, uh, you know, actually million, you know, hundreds of thousands, even a million dollars. And we had legal papers and the legal papers gave um, turned their stake in the whole thing over to us, their rights, their to, rights to sue. Right. Yeah. So we, we were gathering all the, all the rights from all our subcontractors so that we could do one big lawsuit mm -hmm. against Long the owner. So, yeah. So the way that it would look, if you looked at the, the, the filing papers is you would see not just your name, but underneath your name or kind of maybe aside yeah. from it all the other definitions yeah. and that, that Which, actually says something to the judge yeah right? it adds that up to all itself. all this big and and a lot of those subcontractors could not have afforded the lawyers to sue themselves you know on their own and they also needed the money now yeah. you know because uh because that's how business is often people are you know, operating on profit margins where they can't wait another year to get their money. But the beautiful thing was people, when we called them into our office, they didn't know why we were calling them in. And most of them who knew the whole story, um, they thought we were calling them in to tell them you need to accept 50 cents on the dollar. You need to accept less money than, than you're owed. Um, 
And it was wonderful because we would, you know, it was great fun. We'd be in the conference room, me and my brother and our in-house attorney. And um, we would say, you know, here's this job and you've heard what's happened on the job and, and here's what we want to do. And we'd hand him the check for the full amount. And one guy, he was already to start arguing with us. You know, he had his whole case about how he was going to say, this isn't fair. And you, sh-, you know, and he, and he started to do it. And then he saw, no, we're paying you in full. And, and he couldn't believe it. Another man, a grown man older than me, started crying. You know, another man said, can I use your phone to call my wife? you know, to tell her the good news. Yeah. Yeah. That our, yeah, we're not going broke. You know, it was like so moving to see, wow. Um, yeah, this is so wonderful. And it, and it, you know, all this wonderful energy, you, you know, from, from doing that. And, you know, in the long run, even though we took a chance because we didn't know if we would win the lawsuit and all that, which we did eventually, they settled with us and we got our money. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, if you're just thinking of calculating, um, you know, the wonderful thing about it in business is now those subs, we then have a lifelong relationship with them. Oh yeah. You know, and they're going to give us the best prices. They're going to give us the best service, you you know? So like you could look at it just in dollars and cents and see, oh, this is, you know, this is a good way to operate, but only if you're kind of looking at the long term. where if we had cheated them, who knows what they would have done on the next job with us, you know? Um, so yeah, even if you're not looking at it from kind of a spiritual s- viewpoint, but looking at it from just the profits, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's also a good way to do business. Absolutely, and and the reality in that specific industry is that there's you you kind of can't work multiple jobs, big jobs like that at once. You have to be very selective. Mm-hmm. And so when people say yes to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you make that arrangement, they don't have anything else to fall back on. So they're doing the best that they can, expecting you to make good on your word, just like yeah. you're doing the best that you can and managing all those subs, yeah. right? And and dealing with them so that the client doesn't have to in order to yeah. just get the client what they signed up for, and which you did. And that was just a massive... Can you talk to us a little bit about how you what those conversations were like, because certainly somebody must have said, just take the 50 cents. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, and I felt like, am I being stupid? Here's all all my competitors sitting at the table, and they all are saying, yeah, this is just how it is, and we're going to eat it, and we'll make it up someplace else. And I'm a fairly young woman at the time, and I'm thinking, um, you know, how – do I really think I'm right? And they're all not, do, you know, they're all wrong, you know? So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, and in the culture as a whole, there's a lot of messages that doing that you're stupid yeah. to, to do stuff in integrity that you'll get taken advantage of that you're being a patsy, you I know, to operate like that, that. You know, just being a woman, 
I know, um, in my experience in corporate life, people will justify this. They will say, take the 50 cents. These people would get nothing. Right. right. They'll take the 50. They'll be happy. They'll take half. They know how the industry goes. Yeah. They'll be fine. At least they'll get the half. Right. Right. Don't be stupid. Don't risk everything. Right. Don't roll the dice. Um, but you didn't. And so oh what were those kinds of conversations like? Were you just reminding people like, no, this just doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they listened. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a, that, you know, that was the advantage to, you know, owning the company and having control is that even if my vice presidents thought I was being stupid, you know, my brother and I were being stupid, that we still had the last call. But your brother was supportive. Oh, totally. I mean, very, very ethical person. Um, you know, and also understands about energy and, you know, the long term and stuff. I mean, and there's so much in business that's like that. You know, um, I was thinking of another time when um, we, every year we would, uh, <laughs> Every year, we would give uh, 1% of our profits before taxes to charity. And and the employees would get to vote on where it would go. And, and the rule was anybody could nominate a charity, but it had to be one that they were volunteering at themselves. Nice. So, And then at the Christmas party, you know, we'd have one of those giant checks and we'd hand it to the employee who was the volunteer and... Yeah, so it was great fun. So one year, and our Christmas party, um, we because we were a construction company, our Christmas party was always at seven o'clock in the morning, um, wow. because that you know construction jobs go from seven to three, and so instead of having a party, you know, at night, we would have the party early in the morning, and um, in the it, it, yeah, yeah, and, and all the guys in their boots and everything would come in. So we'd ha give out these checks and, and have a good time. It's very funny having a party at 7 o'clock in the morning. We'd have a live band, and <laughs> ah, it was great. You know, Santa Claus would show up. Um, but one year after the Christmas party, the next day, a laborer who um, came in and wanted to see me in my office, and um you know, our thing was anybody in the company at any time, they can come and see us and talk to us. So uh, my secretary, you know, arranged it so he could come and talk to me. And he sat down. He did not speak a whole lot of English. And he told me that he had gone home the night before and had a long talk with his wife about what kind of people he thought my brother and I were. Um, and he was basing this on how he had seen us act at the annual party. And his wife had decided, and him had decided, that he had to come and talk to me because his immediate boss in the company, his foreman, was stealing from us. Wow. And he felt that given who he experienced us as being, that he could not let that go on, even though, you know, in the position he was in, you know, in a construction company, every foreman hires their own people, you know. So um, his livelihood, you wow. know, was dependent on this. But he came and told us, 
you know, and it was something that there was no way I could have discovered it myself. You know, it was a good scam. (laughs) It's a lot of opportunity in a construction company for people to do things under the table. Yeah. And I, and I thought, wow, you know, um, who thought, who would have ever guessed that what we were doing, you know, at the Christmas party and how we ran our company would have that kind of effect, you know, but that kind of thing happened a lot. I would get calls being a woman in construction. I just naturally related to the older women, you know, in the generation before me, it was all secretaries that were the women in construction. And, and I liked them a lot. Uh, you know, very smart women. Some of them probably would have ended up being lawyers if they'd been born in a different generation, you know, but they were secretaries. And um, I often got calls or they would come into my office and tell me things that they saw happening because it's a huge company and there's all sorts of stuff going on. You know, one time somebody, one of the secretaries came in and said, you know, I've noticed that this one project manager is uh, changing the subcontract, you know, that's signed. (laughs) And it was in a terrible, terrible way that he was changing it. And I think, I would have never noticed. Yeah, here's this paragraph in, you know, middle that was changing the liability for our company. (laughs) You know, the nightmare scenario. But, you know, again, you never would have known if you hadn't, if I hadn't had that kind of relationship with those women. Wow. And that, that's, um, that speaks to all businesses, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I personally see, I love business. I mean, that's my livelihood. And I, put myself in a position to support and help others to get into business. And yeah. I, I kind of see it as, uh, I, I think of it as like a prism, you know, that you, or like a crystal, you know, that you put up in the window that catches the light. And of course you are the light. Like you're the one that is projecting and yeah. whatever the quality is th- yeah. that you are projecting is what's going to. Very much so. Very much. And affect all these other people. And so, um, People know yeah. when you are not in integrity. Yeah, right? they're watching. They are watching the boss. Um, and you can't control everyone. In fact, you really can't control anyone yeah. except yourself. Yeah. And this, this is kind of, I guess, what we're learning in life. But um, so to think that as an owner that you ha- – that is Sisyphusian to try and think like, oh, well, you know, I can control my business or I can control this or I'll put more contracts in place, although I love contracts. Like that's not really yeah. the way you're going to influence people. Yeah, yeah. It's this other yeah. reality. Yeah, and they, wa- they watch, you know, and and they listen. I was thinking, you know, in construction, there's always a lot of lawsuits, you know, over different things. It's a big field for lawyers. And so we'd be involved in a suit somehow. And, you know, they call in one of our project managers for a deposition. And the, you know, and maybe we had done something wrong. And, uh, um, and we always told people when they were being deposed, listen, you need to tell the truth. Even if you think that it's something bad for our company, that it's bad facts, mm-hmm. you, you know, or that we did something wrong, you just need to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, squirm around on it. Don't try to cover anything up. 
just tell the truth and we will deal with it. You know, mm -hmm. we'll deal with the results of that, but you got to do that. And people were often very relieved because people have this idea about the law that, you know, that you need to scam it or yeah and that you need to outthink the lawyer and all, all, all that stuff or that we would want them to lie in order to protect our company and so if we said no you know we will deal with the results of it but just tell the truth um yeah people were very relieved when we said that and sometimes I'd have to repeat it several times to make sure we really mean it. Yes, you know, yes, this yeah. is true. We really mean this, you know. So how long were you in that position? Uh, I worked for the company for 20 years. Wow. And, so, and you, were, you were an owner? Not, not the whole time. We slowly bought out. Um, my father was older and, and his partner, they wanted to be bought out. So over time, we made the money to buy them out. And that was a 20 year. Yeah, it took 20 years. And then what happened to the company? We sold it, um, you know, which was another interesting kind of business thing. Um, I, I had a number in my head. I, I have uh, two kids with special needs. And um, I felt like I can't be rolling the dice every morning. Yeah. which you are in construction you can go broke overnight you know one bad That's thing great. yeah and i was getting older and my kids were getting older and i thought i really need to get my money out of this business and get it safe because you know my children are going to need it in the future um and so i had a number in my head that if i could you know get this amount of money i could i could walk out uh, and my brother, the same thing. We we had a number, and um, and so and we were told, you, you know, nobody ever sells a, a construction company for cash. Mm -hmm. You know, right. they always it's always a, you know. But we knew we wanted to sell it for cash, and uh, we knew how much we needed, and we and we were told it's never ever going to happen it's a fantasy all of that stuff we worked on it for um, a couple years um and eventually uh, somebody a, a publicly traded construction company purchased our company and we were able to retire the interesting thing to me about that was we had vice presidents who all owned stock in the company so i knew how much money they were going to get mm -hmm. you know when we sold the company and and it, they were each going to get enough money to retire. And I said to the new owner, well, you know, they all have enough money to retire, so they're probably all going to leave. And the, and the new owner said to me, it is never enough money. It is never enough money. And I thought, wow, what a sad, <laughs> what a sad thing. It's never enough money. Because what it said to me was, um yeah, well that it just you know that yeah, yeah that w what you want to do with your life is not as important as you, you know when you're young you think oh if i could just make a million dollars then i would be happy but then when the time comes you could do that then it's like oh no now i need two million or now i need 10 million or now i need 30 million you know that it's never enough mm -hmm. and, and i think that's a really sad statement um uh, you know about how people value their time in their lives 
you know, because if it's, you know, if it's never enough, it's never enough. That means you, that you're always going to be chasing the dollar right. forever, mm-hmm. you know, or that you're going to say, you know, I have to sacrifice whatever, my time, my ethics, my integrity right. to make more money. And that's where the slope begins to kind of tilt down, why somebody would be able to justify thinking it's a good deal to cheat somebody all the (laughs) on one side it's cheating on the other side it's it's a good deal they should take it they should be smart right yeah it's it's, where is that truth in between yeah i think that's a conundrum for people in business because so much of us are told it's that value piece yeah that value yeah um was it enough money for you yeah you know, I had a number and when I, when I found out, yeah, I can get that number and I can walk, walk away. Um, yeah, well, it was like amazing, you, you know, and it's, and it is weird though in Silicon Valley because, you know, the, the stories that you read and even the people that you meet, sometimes it's somebody who went IPO and they're, you know, 28 years old and they're worth, you know, 30 million or 40 million what i mean more money than you actually way more than you actually need to be comfortable but it's if you're only keeping score by dollar number dollar amounts then it's never enough well yeah if, if it's a competition yeah if that's the score make a lot more instead of thinking <laughs> what do i actually need you know i want to own a house i want to you know i want to whatever it is i want to be able to travel i want to you know put my kids through school you know to actually think about what's the real number mm-hmm. and and then work towards that instead of it just always being more and more and more you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Cause there's always somebody richer than you. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, just in this short conversation, which I am so grateful for and and so appreciate that's a large part of what bliss in the school and what I'm taking a stand for is is all about is I work a lot with intellectual property. And so the big conundrum in IP is, what's the value yes yeah when we're having discussions about selling businesses or evaluating businesses like well how do you value that you know yeah um and if you look at the larger story which you actually have experience with in the music industry yeah there's a story that the artists are need to live like um the starving artist life Uh right but if you look at the actual business structure it's all based on rights on the rights you know to uh-huh. distribute or, or reproduce or record composition rights in music and so there's a lot of different rights um and if you look at the business of it the labels were kind of the ones acquiring the rights right and the um the authors to mm-hmm. use the copyright language wouldn't were kind of being shorn of those rights for some amount of money which that's the value piece like right. in the short term immediate moment ten thousand dollars seems like a lot of money yes yeah to somebody who's living on ten thousand dollars a year i'll never make that you know yeah i'll never be able to make that much money but if you kind of have that larger vision um of what you can do with it and you understand the business that's could be nothing right um and so this idea of the money value but also the value of like 
what else are you getting out of it? The fact that in your story you got to be able to sit down and look people in the eye and say, here's 100% of your check. Yeah. I and mean, that is like, you said that, you know, it's, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was very <laughs> much fun. It was a joyous experience yeah. to be able to just be able to give people what you said you were going to. Yeah. Money aside, because you might not have made that money. You very well could have lost. Right. Or less. Or, yeah. Um, so... Um, that's, that's kind of that value in there. Yeah. Um, and that idea of like, it's never enough, um, it, it, getting clear on your value, yeah. who you are and what your value of your life, the yeah. minutes in your life, the quality of how you spend your time. Yeah. Well, and you know, something that I learned about business, you know, and it's a lot like, um, I was thinking it's like sex or it's like how you raise your kids that um, business and money can be great spiritual teachers. Yes. You know, if you, you know, look at that and you pay attention to that and you don't kind of buy the, the line, right. you know, of that, it's all about keeping score with the dollars. It's not about, it's also about, you know, how it changes you as a human being. And, and, and the value in, in the business is the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Because if business is easy and you never pushed yeah. to grow. Yeah. Right. And that's where, and, and business is great. And I love business. I think business is the best spiritual, you know, teacher you can have. Yeah. You're constantly reflected with yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You, you have yeah. all of these stakeholders that you're responsible to, and you have to interact with them in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, so that's you. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so those challenges and, and the sleepless nights and, you know, staying up worrying, that is the gold. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, a thing of like, well, here's my my emotional and my spiritual life that I do, you know, from five o'clock at night until eight o'clock the next morning. And then from eight right. to five, somehow that's divorced from that, right. you, you know, it's just business. It's not personal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All yeah. of that. But it, you know, it very much is. Yeah. Um, and it, it shapes you, you know, how you operate there and your interactions with people, um, yeah, definitely shape you, you know, and, and I guess being in the business over years, uh, in a community, you know, where people got to know me, um, yeah, those are some of the most important relationships you have. You and know? you did share with me, you're fascinating. I mean, you've just had such a fascinating life and I've just <laughs> met you, <laughs> but, um, you did mention that your association, your trade association actually, um, Oh, yeah, they elected me president. Yeah. It was the Construction Employers Association, which is the big bargaining unit on management side, on the the construction company owner side, for Northern California, for commercial Northern California unionized construction. Um, and all the real high-tech construction, when you think of Silicon Valley, all of that was done by unionized contractors because you had to have very high skilled yeah. um, employees, tradespeople, and of course the highest skilled people are gonna be in the unions because that's who pays the most and has the best benefits and all of that. 
Um, yeah, and so I was represented my company in that organization, and in 2005, I think, might have been 2004, they, all these men elected me president of the association, and I was the first woman president of the association. So for a year, I, I was the face of that organization, which was, was great fun. After your um, big kind of stand against... Trying to think, um, yeah, it was, yeah, right in there. It was Yeah, a little bit after, but... Uh, yeah, and it was funny because, you know, at first I was very intimidated going to those meetings with all the, you know, kind of these guys who, you know, they all had more money than I had and they're all in their suits and ties and there I am, you know, uh, you know, 40 something year old woman. Yeah, so, um, but it's hard for me to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so I would speak up in meetings and you know, I was involved in the bargaining with the unions. The great thing, another thing was um, the unions trusted us. You know, the unions knew that we were on their side. And the truth is, you know, if you're a commercial contractor that's unionized and the unions, you have a common cause and that you want, you want to increase the number of union jobs there are you know, the customers, you want, you both have a, a want to convince the owners mm -hmm. that they're better off if they hire a unionized contractor. Mm -hmm. uh, um, more yeah, more expensive. Maybe it may be less expensive because the job may be done more quickly, quickly more efficiently. Yeah. More efficiently. And yeah, timing is very important in Silicon Valley you know, because you want to get your products out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's like, well, are you looking at quality? Right. You know, are you looking at uh, timing, you know, versus something else? So um, the great thing was when there was a union dispute, they, the unions would help us out, you know, because they trusted us. They knew we weren't trying to um, cheat them. We weren't trying to do something behind their back. We weren't the enemy. Such an important point in business, whether you're a small business or a large business, um, what you're really talking about, and I don't care if you're a coach or like a fitness coach or a business coach or a construction, you know, company owner or a lawyer, you know, you're dealing with relationships. Yeah. And your contract is essentially like a promise for a promise. And so yeah. what that really boils down to in essence is trust. Yes, definitely. And so in when you meet someone that you don't know and mm -hmm. you're engaging with them in business, which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would never get into bed with a stranger right. in your personal life, but we do it all the time in business because yeah, you know, more clients. <laughs> right, get out there. Got to, got to do this. Um, so that's what that contract is. It's basically goodwill. It's basically saying, yeah. "Look, you can trust me." And then when you break that, you damage that relationship with that person. And in a way, you're kind of damaging the relationship with yourself. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, because once you do it, maybe you're gonna do it again. Yeah. Well, and there's the whole thing about you know, that's kind of a new age concept about if you keep your word, then your word ends up having power. Yeah. You know, if you keep your word and you say, this is what I'm going to do in my life. And then 
it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think there is a, an energy there, you, you know, and if you don't keep your word, y- you cut the energy off. Yeah. You know, and maybe you can go on for a year, you know, acting that way, but the flow of it is going to, is going to get you down eventually. I mean, if one thing is, I think it's going to be where, you know, it's not going to be much fun going to work mm-hmm. because, you know, you're not integrity with yourself. And as, as big as the world might seem right now with the internet, right? It's shockingly small. Yeah. In your industry. Yeah. Right. And, and if you're hoping to stay 20 years in a business, yeah. um, people will hear about you. Right. Right. Well, you know, I heard about, um, Donald Trump about what his reputation is in New York city. And, and it, what I heard from people was that, you know, people, business. yeah, people hate doing business with him, um, because he doesn't pay his bills. You've got, I mean, that's, that's all over the place, but you've got to think people who knowing the insides of that business, yeah. how many people are cheating him and, and feel right. right doing it? Right, right. <laughs> because they know somebody who he, who he did that to. Or if you don't do it to him, he's going to do it to you. Yeah. And in a, and in a up economy, people aren't going to um, bid his jobs because they can make money bidding somebody else's job that they trust. You know, so there's that thing too. Yeah, I knew people in Silicon Valley who I know the subs came in 20% higher (laughs) because the last time that they did a job with that company, they got Got shorted. Yeah, Yeah, so they, you know, they're not stupid. They they Um, do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really good point. And I think, I, you know, I was going to bring it up, but it's timely and it's relevant. But there is a perception with, um, a certain portion of the population that, you know, Donald Trump is a successful businessman. Yeah. And um, people yeah. want to do business with him. Yeah. If you get an opportunity to do business with him, you're going to, where in fact, that's not, not the truth. Real. No. And no, I think that people that are really in business, um, yeah. I mean, just the things that I have heard, you know, in, in the business world that I'm, that I was part of. Yeah, I've heard all sorts of stories. And I think, gee, if I'm hearing this clear out in California, you know, imagine what New York City must be like, you know, people. Yeah, so I think, yeah, nobody who's in, who's actually a contractor uh, or a developer or in real estate, uh, they all know that that, um, they wouldn't want to do business with him. Unless there was a huge premium involved and right. they were willing to take Good take the chance. Trip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think over the long run, that has probably not, you know, been to his advantage. You know, he, it probably has cost him a lot of money, uh, but it's unseen. Right. You know, it's like all the lost opportunities and, and all of that because of uh, how he's operated. You know, plus I just think, it kills off your opportunity to grow in a on a personal level or a spiritual level. Um, yeah, money aside, yeah, if you look back on your life. It's not about yeah, the money. Yeah, it's, it's not. The yeah, relationship yeah, because again, it's never enough. Right. You know, it's like, oh, do you lie on your deathbed and think, oh yeah, I made ten million dollars, or I made twenty million, or I made a hundred million? Keep going. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little more, and maybe I'll finally <laughs> feel more. good. Yeah. You know, 
and I can then brag about it. But right. that that yeah. value again, like the feeling good, right? Yeah, like you felt even if your business went. Yeah, under, you felt you like felt. yeah. Whereas even if somebody has, and who knows, I don't have any idea what um, President Trump's. Um, you know, bottom line is because you know we we haven't seen his right. Taxes. We don't know, so we don't really know what the we have our suspicions. True yeah, not true. We're right. Not that way. We've seen how he's operated the public funds. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of it's a kind of a big mystery. Yeah, very um, much so. But but yeah, and, and yeah, people see you know, a big building with his name on it. And, you know, those of us in the business know, well, who knows if he owns that building? <laughs> you know, we don't know. I mean, people, That's you know, we don't know. He could own 1%. He could own 0%. He could own the whole thing. Wow. You know, because yeah. we, I, I've built buildings for REITs, you know, and, and you see that, oh, well, who knows, you know, it's there's the all these different people yeah. that own the building, different companies own different percentages. Right. Yeah. So, but I think people that aren't in business, in, in large businesses, don't understand that, Yeah. You, you know, how, how that could be possible. Um, Karen, thank you so much. <laughs> thank for you for asking me. This huge, yeah, this huge conversation. I mean, you're such, you're such like a, a warrior in so many ways. I mean, have have just such the hugest heart, you know, and to have that big heart and maintain it in such a cutthroat industry is really a massive accomplishment. Yeah, and, like, thank you. Like this wonderful energy about you so yeah thank you again. thank you i'm really glad that you're doing what you're doing i have so much respect for karen and i am absolutely astounded and grateful that she is able to set this podcast off on its first episode i think this is a wonderful introduction to both blissness school which is where we really take some time to look at the intersection of spirituality and business where universal law meets black letter law. And um, we look forward to hearing from you. Please check us out on Facebook under Blissness School and um, enjoy. The Dow Business Law Podcast is produced by Blissness School LLC. All rights reserved.